Because Jesus has said that the way we love others is the primary way that we show up as disciples in this world, he's going to use the way we love others as the primary place that we learn how to be mature, just simply how to be mature. How do we actually function as Jesus followers? Most of that is going to be worked out in your relationships. It is not going to be worked out in your intellect. It is not going to be worked out because you have certain skills. It's going to be worked out in the way that you love other people. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm Nicole Eunice, your host, and I've just been so enjoying our time together. Really just simple time in God's Word, all of us coming together to explore using a basic framework from the Alive Method on how we can look at Scripture and really see what God has, the principles contained within that matter for our life, and how we take them and apply them directly to the life that you are living today. No matter your circumstances, no matter your troubles, that there is a God of all hope who desires to meet us right where we are, just honestly and openly. And that's where we're going in this next series called The Miracle Moment. The Miracle Moment is a book that I've just released on May 18th, and the book itself is really focused around healthy relationships and how we can be healthy, particularly in conflict. But in addition to the book, there is a six-week Bible study and video series in conjunction with Right Now Media that I'm excited is out there for your small group, for your book club, for your Sunday school class, for your individual use. And over the next six weeks, we're going to go through just a little teaser, a little taste of some of the content that's contained within that six-week book. You know what I love is helping you get into God's Word every day to spend a little bit of time with the Lord and really believe that He has a Word for you each day in His uh, Scriptures. So in the Bible study, there is a Monday through Friday kind of devo that you would sit down with and really work through this idea of what are the principles of Scripture and how do they directly apply to the way that I am living out my relationships. So we're going to take a couple of those uh, principles from the Bible study and get to look at them together here. And we're going to start with the miracle of hope as our first topic. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So if you want to pause the podcast and find it, even if you want to be really old school and, and pick up your actual, can you hear my actual Bible right here? Pick up your actual Bible and turn to 1 Peter. It's near the end of the Bible. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter. And we're going to be looking at a passage right at the beginning of this letter. So I'm going to read it through, and we're going to follow our same theory of the Alive Method. So these are the four questions that we're going to be asking. If you're new to the podcast and you want to go back to the beginning, you can find out more about these principles. But these are the questions that we ask each and every show. The first question is, what does it say? We really want to try to make sure we understand the passage that we've read. And every time we ask the question, what does it say, we probably will have additional questions. That's a part of the exploration. So what does it say? Then we ask, what's the backstory? What's going on around this passage? What might be some of the historical context that we need to know and understand so that we can make sense of it in our time? The third question is, what does it mean? 
what are the principles contained within this passage? And in the principles section, there's always a lot of different principles in a passage. And so I'll circle up on one or two of them. Um, we're not going to you know, necessarily hit every single principle. So if you find a principle within a passage and I don't mention it, it's not because you're not right. It's just because God's word is so rich and so deep and so full that there can be many, many uh, principles contained within a passage. And then we're going to ask that final question. Well, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me today in the life that I am living? So we're going to walk through that right now. First Peter 1 verses 3 through 9. If you're not near your Bible, if you're driving or doing the dishes or um, somehow I'm accompanying you on a portion of your day right now, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath and ask God to illuminate your life with His Word and to have the faith to believe that He loves you so dearly and so fully that He can use His Word to speak directly into your life. First Peter 1, verse 3, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this... Listen, in all of this, everything you've just heard, in all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okie dokie, friends. That is a thick passage full of content. So when we ask that question, what does it say? We're really trying to take it piece by piece and make sure that we can restate what we've read. And when we do that, we may find that there's different little pieces that start to stand out to us. And I'm going to name what some of those pieces are for me. The first one is right there in verse three. If you're looking at the verses, it says in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. So I'm going to underline new birth because obviously that's an interesting concept. We've probably heard it if you've been around church and you've heard the idea of being a born-again Christian. Also, there's going to be a few different places in Scripture where we're going to hear this idea of a new birth. And then it says, actually, we're not just birthed, we're birthed into something, into a living hope. There's another interesting phrase, new birth, living hope. And then it goes on and says, and you're going to be birthed into an inheritance. And this inheritance is in heaven. So we have a new birth, a living hope, and a heavenly inheritance all going on in this opening sort of piece of the passage. 
It goes on and it says, and again, I'm going to ask the question, what does it mean to be shielded by God's power? Through our faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's going to be revealed in the last time. Okay, and then pause. So that's kind of one piece. Verses three, four, and five really give us a set of images, words, and promises about what it means that we live into this faith. And then we get this transition, right? And it says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Okay, so now we're going to see that the word rejoice is here and that we again see inexpressible joy in verse 8. So already I'm making some connections. Promises are going to be present. Those promises are going to yield joy. And we also know in verse 6, it says that you should expect to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And then I've sort of got this idea of, okay, what are trials for? Why are trials important? And we can find that answer in here as well. So we've started to do the work of just becoming curious about components of this passage. A lot of times, if you've been around church for a long time, some of these words can kind of just roll off your back, like you really know what they mean. And it's not until we really slow down and say, okay, what does this saying for us today? What does this mean right now? Do I really, can I really restate what is happening here? And so I'm going to do my very best with, with just the moments that we have to try to restate what I've read here. And this is the kind of thing that I would write down in my journal. So if you're a journal writer, if you want to pause the podcast and think about what would you say, what, what would be the couple of things that you would say about this passage if you were just repeating it to someone else, okay? And I'm going to give you my go at that. And what I'm going to say is there is a kind of joy that is present when you understand your salvation. And when you understand that salvation, it changes the way that you look at trials and that those trials are important to your faith. And when you have that joy in your salvation and you experience those those trials that are important to your faith, you get to remember these deep promises that come with salvation. And those promises are that I have been made new, I have a new birth, that I have a kind of hope that exists and it's alive, and that I have an inheritance, I have a reward, I have a security that is being kept for me, not in this life, but in eternity. So that's the way that I would restate that verse. That doesn't mean if you restated it different, that it's different. And you see that I I said things out of order. I didn't say it in the exact same order. But I wanted to make sure that for myself, I can say what I think this means. And you heard me stumble a little bit because I'm like, okay, what does a new birth mean? What does a living hope mean? And I want to focus specifically around the miracle of hope today, what it actually means that because of the promises of God, when we are in Christ, we have a living hope. You see, our Creator knows our tendencies to doubt what we cannot see and to give up when the going gets tough. And so He's given us this gift called living hope. And here's my definition that I would write down that what is hope? Hope is an active, robust experience of believing there is more for us in the future than we can see in the present. Hope is an active, robust experience of believing there is more for us in the future than we can see in the present. What does that mean? It means that it reframes our trials. Hope reframes our trials. Hope reframes our grief. Hope reframes the things in life that feel frustrating or stuck. And that's why I believe that living hope is a miracle. 
if we are going to uh, carry out the commands that Jesus has given us, Jesus gave us two commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus specifically says over and over again, this is how people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus has taken the idea of how we love one another to be his primary place of functioning in the growth that we'll experience in our faith. Okay, I'm going to say that a different way. Because Jesus has said that the way we love others is the primary way that we show up as disciples in this world, he's going to use the way we love others as the primary place that we learn how to be mature. Just simply how to be mature. How do we actually function as Jesus followers? Most of that is going to be worked out in your relationships. It is not going to be worked out in your intellect. It is not going to be worked out because you have certain skills. It's going to be worked out in the way that you love other people. And he's not talking about people who are far away, although those matter too. He's talking about the people who are close into you. The people that you just like live life with is the place that we're going to work out our salvation. But here's the thing. It's actually so difficult to do that, that I believe in miracles when it comes to the way that we love others, the way that we forgive, the way that we have compassion, the way that we experience grace. And the reason that I picked this passage as our opening passage is because Without hope, without hope that we can actually be transformed, we cannot climb the mountain that is this process of sanctification, this process of becoming made new, this process of loving people the way that Jesus loved them. We just actually can't do it unless a miracle happens in our life. And the miracle of today is this miracle of living hope. The idea that who you were yesterday does not have to define who you are tomorrow. The idea that the way that you fail in relationships right now, the way that you, whatever, show up impatient, experience anxiety, are condemning or judgmental, can't forgive. The way that you are today does not mean that is the way that you will be tomorrow because we have a hope an active, robust experience of believing there is more for us than what we are experiencing today. Does that mean everything's going to work itself out? Not if you're reading this passage. It specifically says in this passage, you will suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And that actually it's going to be through those trials that your faith is strengthened, that your ability to connect to the grace of God, to the goodness of God, to the divine power, as it says later in First Peter, the divine power of God to allow you to be effective as a follower of Jesus, it's going to be this hope that you can be more than you are today that the things that have defined you in the past do not have to define you in the future, that you have an inheritance for you that's kept in heaven for you that is waiting for you. It can't be touched by anything you do or don't do right now. It is already there for you. Your salvation is secure. You see, friends, when we have a vision for where we're going, then we have the confidence and the courage to make changes in the place that we are right now. Does that make sense to you? If all we are is just reacting to the forces of our world and we just sort of feel powerless to the world, 
powerless to the chaos and division around us, powerless in relationships where we just feel like we keep getting taken advantage of, or we keep feeling a bitterness in our heart. We don't feel like we can forgive. We keep feeling like we can't connect. We don't have love there. If you just live out of that place of reactivity, what hope do we have? What hope do we have? But if we can set our eyes on the living hope This dual idea, if we ask the question, what does it mean, this passage? If we can set our eyes on this dual idea that first and foremost, God has called us to a new birth, which means I get the hope of being made new. I am still growing in God. I am a new person in God all the way through and through. My emotional DNA, my past, the way I see my future, the way I discern who people are, the way I love people, that is in my new birth. And alongside of that new birth, I have a living hope, an active, robust experience of believing that there is more, that I can be more, that people around me can be more, believing in reconciliation, believing in repentance, believing in the ability to be wrong and to actually admit that I'm wrong and to forgive, apologize, forgive, move forward, see grace, experience grace. That is the gift of our salvation is believing in that active hope. And that hope isn't even centered around those earthly relationships. It's centered around our heavenly relationship because I know that there is more ahead. I can have the confidence and courage to make changes today that move me in that direction. That is the joy of our hope. So when we ask that final question, what does this mean for me? I want to just leave you with this beautiful phrase in verse 8. Those who believe in him are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And maybe just for a moment in these last few minutes we've shared together, maybe you like me, I just feel the presence of God when I'm in his word. I I feel that confident hope that comes from the anchor of being in truth, of realizing, oh, like this salvation is real. And even though we don't see Jesus with our eyes, we love him. We don't see him now, but we believe in him. And we know we do because we we get this inexpressible and glorious joy that just washes over us no matter your circumstances. Maybe you have a moment where you've just been grieving for a prodigal child, or you've been grieving for your marriage that's failed or whatever. And, and, and just for a moment, your eyes are lifted off of those trials and you're brought up to this place of living hope and you just, you feel this wash of inexpressible and glorious joy. Guys, that's, that's Jesus Christ in your life. That's the spirit of God comforting you and strengthening you. You see, we can talk all day about what living hope is, but at the end of the day, this passage is about an experience. It's about actually experiencing it. And I want to invite you to seek God for that experience, to ask him to fill you with his joy, to believe and trust that he will. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's it. And if you are saved, every single promise in this passage applies to you today. There is a miracle that exists for each one of us, and that miracle is that we have a living hope. Love you guys. Talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice. 
a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleUnis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.